Today we are good to have everybody here, but we also want to tell you that we're starting a brand new series called Making Change, whether you're joining us online at Branchville. Can we give our guys at Branchville a big hand joining us this morning? Guys, we love you. You're awesome. Okay, they meet on Thursday mornings. There's roughly 17 guys at the Branchville Correctional Facility. If today's your first time here, man, we want to welcome you. Do us a favor, text the words NEW HERE to 812-432-1981. Now, today we're talking about making change, and over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about these four subjects. Number one, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Now, it's easy for all of us here today to go, you know what, I don't need to change anything in my life. I'm perfect the way I am. As a matter of fact, God only made one perfect person, and you're talking to him. Okay, I don't need these changes. But no matter how perfect you are, I want to encourage you over the next four weeks, men, to come back, to be a part of our services here because I want you to grow and get better, that your life will continue to get better. So today we're going to be talking about less is more. Everybody say this with me. Say less is more. Good, you're much better than first service. You guys need to, like, take a class to teach them or give a class. I don't know how that works. Less is more because if you're like me, you are programmed that more is better, right? From birth, we're programmed that way, right? If we have one car, what's better than one car? Two cars. If we have one dollar, what's better than one dollar? Two dollars. If we have one child, what's better than one child? Not necessarily two. Okay, we stop right there. Okay, so we have to understand this, that we are programmed from a young age. We want more. We want things that we don't necessarily have right now. We're always dying for more. I'll give you an example. How many of you love Coke products? Not cocaine, Coke like the soda. Okay, awesome. Coke products, I love Coke products, okay, especially Coke Zero or Diet Coke. Those are like my vices. I love them. Okay, I don't drink coffee, but I will drink those like they're going out of style. This habit started when I was about seven years old. My mom, we were having a party. My mom used to invite all of her friends over, and when she did, that's when we were allowed to have soda, but we could have one can. So I went. I got my one can. Okay, and I promise you when I drank it, it was like something heavenly entered my body. I don't want to say it was Jesus, but it was dang close. Okay, like when I could feel the refreshing in there, I could swear like the Holy Spirit was like speaking to my heart and be like, wow, this is incredible. Okay, and so after chugging this, it took me about 13 seconds to drink the entire thing. All right. What did I need? I wasn't going to be content with just one soda, but I had met my quota. So I'm like, I need another one. So in true Daryl Marin fashion, at seven years old, I go around. I'm scouting for my next soda, and I see one subject. He's sitting on a table. Nobody is around. No one will discover. I can run in, chug that soda, run back out. So that's what I do. I run in. I know it's hard to believe because I'm winded now. I ran in at seven. I chugged this soda. Something was a little off in this soda. This one was chunky. So I was like, oh, you know, this is a new flavor. I haven't had this one. 
And then I felt like a huge gag right here. And what I discovered was is I drank sodas and threw away the can. My mom drank sodas and turned them into ashtrays. Because, see, she liked Marlboro Lights. And I didn't know when I was a child, nobody told me, okay, that you can turn your Coke can into an ashtray. So not only did I not have a second soda, but I did have my first Marlboro. Okay, but I ate it. I swallowed that bad boy. And so sometimes more than what you need is not good for you because there's a Marlboro waiting for you on the other side. We see this in Scripture. We hear this in basic stories in Scripture. Adam and Eve, they're promised everything. Legitimately, guys, sometimes we forget how good they had it. Okay? Here's the deal. Every animal listened to them. Okay? You could tell a cat what to do, and it would do it. That's incredible. Okay? Lions, tigers, bears, they didn't want to eat you. They wanted to listen to you. They were awesome. All right? You could eat anything, anywhere, out of the ground. It was like Willy Wonka's place. You could go eat the grass. It made you feel better. You could go eat the tree. It was awesome. You could walk around. You didn't have to ask, what am I going to wear today? You didn't wear anything. You just walked around. Your body looked so good, you wanted to show it to everybody. Okay? No sooner does God promise them all that, tells them, hey, don't do anything. You can do whatever you want. Just don't eat of this tree. God gets in his car, floors out of town. No sooner does he take off than they're like, you know what we're missing? The one thing that God said we couldn't have. So they go and take it. And they eat it, and that's why we end up like this. These shapes, we don't want to be naked in front of anybody. We can't tell a cat what to do. These are all Adam and Eve's faults. More is always better. Is, this is a lie that we believe that more is always better, and what we don't have is what we need. What we don't have is what we need. We believe that sometimes, and the theme is less is more. So to honor that today, I'm only going to talk through one scripture. And I need you to hold on to it because I'm only using one and I'm not going to reinforce it with 55 other ones. So I need you to hold on to that scripture the entire time. And it goes like this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says, And yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Better to have one handful with what? Quietness, one handful. Everybody put your hand up like this. Okay, some of you, this is where you talk to your spouse. Mm. No, no, don't put it down. You're all going to lose, and Daryl says here. Okay, one handful of quietness. Okay, however, with two handfuls better than two handfuls. There we go, now we got it. Right? Of hard work and chasing the wind. The problem is, okay, if I've got two handfuls of something, what am I unable to do if somebody needs help? If I'm so busy holding on to my two handfuls of things, I do not have a hand free to help somebody else. So the idea that the Bible's trying to get across here is if you have one handful of quietness, you will always have A, what you need, and B, the ability to help somebody else. 
But if you hold on to everything yourself and hold on to it tightly, you will not have what you need, and you can't help somebody else because you'll punch them in the face. Hey, you need a hand up? Here, grab my fist. Okay, that's not how it works. You need to be able to be in the position God wants you to be in. So instead, it's better to have one handful of, like some of you are being, one handful of quietness instead of two handfuls of hard work. Two handfuls keep you away from what God has promised to you. One handful of quietness leaves you available to help if somebody needs something. If somebody says, hey, can you help me carry the groceries? Yes, I can. I've got an extra hand for that. Okay, hey, I need help mowing my lawn. No problem. I'm a one-hander. I got it. Okay, you can do that. If you are too busy club fisting everything that God has given you, you will not be ready to bless other people because you're holding on to too much. It's too much for you to handle. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work. Why is that better? Okay, because we want to help other people. What I want to do, what I really want to do is help you to focus on why less is more. Less of what doesn't matter, why? So you can experience more of what God has for you. I want you to do less so that you can experience more of what God wants for you. If you hold on to too many things, you won't be able to do that. Think about this. When was the last time you asked yourself, what really matters in life? When was the last time you asked yourself that? What really matters in life? If I went up to people, if I put this out on social media, I would probably get these answers. My family, my spiritual life, my kids, okay, my health. These are all the right answers. The problem is when you look around and see how people are living, if I said, not what you think is the right way, but tell me how you live. How many of you live for your health? How many of you live for your children currently? Okay, awesome. That's good. How many of you live for your spiritual life? Okay. How many of you have to go to work every day? How many of you, you're a slave to somebody else who tells you what to do? Right. And you're like, how does that happen? Easy. We must work. You can't get out of working. I'm not telling everybody go quit. Don't hear that. This is a different message. Do not quit your jobs. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to prioritize what you have left. What we prioritize shows what's important to us. Look, at the end of people's lives, nobody ever tells me crazy things like, you know what I really cared about? My new boat. You know, that boat, it really changed my life. And I've never, I have sat next to several individuals who are on their last days of their life, and they're never like, hey, pick up that phone for me. Check my bank balance. Nobody ever says that. They do say things like, hey, can you get my kid here? Can I get one more chance with my friend? Can I fix this relationship? Can I... Can I leave? Can you write this down? That's why we make wills, because at the end of our life is the way we think what's important, and we don't spend the rest of our life living that way. 
We spend our whole life trying to get things that we don't need. When you define what really matters to you, you'll often recognize that so much of our lives are spent pursuing things that don't even make the list of the most important things. Have you ever realized that? You'll spend most of your life acquiring things that will mean nothing in the end. How many of you have ever seen a boat that sank? That's how most boats end up. How many of you have ever seen somebody who is rich who is miserable? I've never met a rich person who is like, you know what? I'm rich enough. When they acquire more and they don't know how to live with the idea that less is more, okay, they get stuck because more is better. And better is what I want. I need the bigger house, the bigger things. I need this. I need, I need, I need, I need. No, what you need is air. What you need are friends. What you need is family. Instead of seeking these other things out, at the end of your life, here's what you're going to have wanted. More friends, more time with your family, more investment with your children, and to have left a legacy on this earth. You're not going to want to have possessions. I've never been able to bring into hospice a boat with me. Come here. Here, she wants to hug this. It doesn't happen. Why? Because at the end of it, we learn this. Better one hand with quietness than two hands with hardship. How do I know quietness is important? How many moms understand the value of quietness? How many young parents, you didn't know what quietness was until you had a kid? You thought you lived a quiet life before. You're like, my life was quiet. And you had no respect for quiet. You would just talk during quiet times. Now, when you hear quiet, you're like, shh, shh, don't ruin it. This is going to last for like 20 seconds. Stop. Don't say anything. You hear that? It's nothing. It's the best feeling in the whole world. Why? Because from the time your children are born, okay, the first time they'll ever be quiet, they will sleep one night, give you hope. And then they will be quiet again at 18 when they move out. In between, you want all these things. And what happens is, is we want more. Less is more. Okay, so I want to give you these three thoughts that we, number one, the first thought is this. We need to learn to cut back. We need to learn to cut back from what we currently are trying to acquire. Okay, I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, a birthday party consisted of, and I'm not that old. I had to double check before this last service. I'm 42. Last service I said I was 43. I lied. I'm 42, and my birthday when I was a kid consisted of a cake, the people that lived across the street, my grandparents, and a balloon. That was it. And I had a blast. I thought it was the best birthday party I'd ever been to. I get invited to birthdays now, okay, that have straight up like Taj Mahal themes. Okay, they got the whole Indian crew out there. They're dancing. They got their little Hindi dancers. You got to come. Everybody's stressed out. The invitations cost a million dollars. Everybody's got to wear the T-shirt, okay? You have a goodie bag, and then mom's screaming at everybody, you better have a good time. And I'm like, what happened? 
What happened? We started to believe a lie that more is better. Your kid doesn't know. Your kid is one. He doesn't need a camel. Look, as we get older, I don't really remember anything from 10 and under. Okay, like my birthdays are like, hmm, I have no idea. So here's what I've decided. Have you ever at Christmas, let me help you with another one. Have you ever been at Christmas time annoyed with your kids from the past Christmas that they didn't play with the stuff you bought them? Some of your kids are so overwhelmed with choices that they don't know what to do. They, they can't even leave their room. When was the last time your kid went outside? They don't even know how to get there. They're like, I got a million toys in my way. I don't even know how to find the door. Okay, they have too much stuff. They've got stuff everywhere. You know what the best toy in the whole world is? A stick. Buy your kids a stick and be, say, be grateful, use your imagination. You'll thank me later. Why? Because, look, you're going to have a pile. I legit have T-shirts that I'm like, oh, I just went to somebody's 85th birthday. I'm never going to wear that again. Oh, I just went to Johnny's first birthday. His face is plastered on me. I'm not going to wear that again either. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time, your energy, and that doesn't matter. Your kid just wanted to know that you were there. Instead of freaking out that everybody else is having a good time, how about jump in the pool yourself? Some of you, you're trying to create the perfect environment, and you need to cut back because less is more. Your kids will much more want an experience with you than things you can get for them. You remember that song, Cats in the Cradle? Right? That should scare some of you. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. Why? Because that's the, that's the society that tells us, man, we've got to go to work. We've got to work hard. We've got to kill ourselves. And you know what? My kid will be happy if he just has this thing. You know what your kid wants more than a PlayStation? A play dad. That's what he wants. More than a PlayStation. More than, you know, the Xboxes. He wants an involved mom. And here's how I know we have too much stuff. Some of you have so much stuff, you can't even tell me where stuff is in your house. I can't tell you where half the things are in my house. Back in the day, when, when I was young, your attic was your storage compartment. Once you reach the attic, you didn't buy anything else. The number one growing industry in America today, $38 billion was spent in the last three years on storage units. Storage units. One in 11 Americans pays for space to store the material overflow of the American dream. You're buying more space to store junk. You don't even know what's in your own house. And you're like, oh, I don't need to cut back. I just need a place to put it. Then you're amazed. You go, like, watch those picker shows, and the guy's like, oh, oh, no. You're like, no. Here's the God's honest truth. Nothing in your house is hiding worth a million dollars. If it was, you would have found it. Okay, so you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to understand that. The second thought is this. In, sorry, in order to get what you want, you need to cut back on consumption. You can't have so much stuff. The second thought is this. You're going to have to clear out some stuff. A person can only handle so much information. People are like computers. Your brain's like a computer. 
Okay, you can only handle so much info. It's not like you remember everything that ever happened to you. Heck, I don't even know how I woke up this morning half the time. People are like, how'd you get here? I was like, I know I got in a car. What time did you wake up? I was like, I have no idea. I guess. I lie every time somebody asks me that question. Because if God's honest truth is, I have no idea. The alarm went off, but I can't tell you the exact time. I'm like, oh, I've ran, you know. And here's the deal. We have so much clutter in our lives that slows us down. It's like my mother. My mom calls me all the time. She's like, my computer is so slow. I'm like, mom, I log in. Here's what it is. My mom has taken 44,000 pictures of a tree in front of her house. She's got no pictures of me as a child, but 44,000 of this tree. I was like, what'd you do? She's like, well, you know what I wanted? I wanted to take that to Home Depot, and I wanted to get the different angles. And I'm like, what is going on? The deal is, is that there's so much clutter going on, we get overwhelmed. And then we don't want to do anything about it. Ladies, how many of you clean your house only to get annoyed when somebody comes right behind you cleaning and treating it like nothing's ever been cleaned? You ever have that problem? Raise your hand. Your husband walks in. It's like, oh, man, who's this guy, King Kong? You don't know how to throw something away? My wife, queen of organization. I can tell you right now, if something goes misplaced in my house, she knows exactly where it is and whose fault it is. Okay? That's your sock, Daryl. And you know where that bin is. I taught you. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Sock goes in that bin. Okay? What happens after that bin, I have no idea, but they magically get washed. So you need to find one of those bins. Acknowledge, I want you to understand this, okay? Clutter in your life represents holding on to two handfuls of things, refusing to let them go. Going, I have to have these. These mean something to me. Look, there, I want to acknowledge this. There are people who really struggle with this. I get it. You have so much stuff. I get it. There's sentimental value tied up to that. I understand that. That doesn't stop the need that it may be ruining things that you care about. Let me explain. Some of you have so much stuff at your house, you're afraid to have friends and family over because of the way they'll look at you. It's ruining your life. It's not worth that. So what do you do? In a situation where you struggle with this, here's what you do. Psychologists will tell you this, that what you need to do is give it a new purpose. So legitimately, you can take whatever that item is, whatever's stacking up high in your house, give it a new purpose. Go, you know what I want? Thank you for what you've done for me, but I want you to help this person now. It's better to have some nice things that you own than a bunch of stuff that owns you. That's the reality, man. Sometimes... Maybe you can live like this a little bit. Maybe you can get to the point where you give one before you get another one. Maybe try this with your children. How many of you, your kids are buried in toys? Anybody? No, just mine. I'm the only truth teller here, me and this lady here. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you do. So here's the deal. What can you do? Take the toys and bless somebody. Man, borrowed hearts, we've got tons of foster kids who need these resources, who need these things. When we go around the church, man, we make sure that everything we get, okay, 
We give back. We don't hold on to those things. We're not building a fortress for ourselves. And some of you, you have so many resources that you could change the way you lived your life. Not only could people come in, you could bless so many other people. And let's say you just sell some of that stuff. You could do the things you've always wanted to do. You could buy the boat. Spend time with your grandchildren. I encourage people, man, when they are struggling, I'm going, get something to live for. Stop living for stuff. Stop buying possessions to make you feel important. They won't last. You won't feel like having it in the future. Some of you need to get rid of one thing. Some of you need to get rid of a hundred things. Some of you are in the 500 club. Maybe you're in the 1,000 club. Start. Declutter. Why? So that you can relax. Relax. You know how nice it feels to walk into a clean environment? Man, it is so relaxing. That's why we like going to a spa. Someone else has figured out how to keep something clean. Just like, Man, this is amazing. You can, you can just lay down anywhere here. You know, we can do that at home. It just takes effort and work. So we need to cut back. We need to realize, man, that if I'm holding on to things that I've worked hard to obtain, if I don't let it go, I can't have peace. I'm not going to have the one hand of peace because I've got two hands holding on to everything. The third thing is this. We need to pay off debt. More marriages are ruined by debt than anything else. I have never met anybody who celebrates the day the credit card bill comes in. Yes, I can't wait to pay somebody else more money. I can't wait to see what we spent money on that we didn't need. You know that 99%, this is a true statistic, 99% of everything purchased on a credit card is a non-essential, meaning you don't need it to survive. 99% of everything purchased on credit cards is a non-essential. And we're mortgaging our happiness to somebody else. Visa has your happiness. You notice that Visa doesn't have a credit card itself? You ever want to hear something that will trip your mind out? Listen to the CEO of Visa talk about how he doesn't let his children get credit cards. Why? Because he knows something that the Bible's been talking about forever. The borrower is slave to the lender. You're always going to feel like, how good would it be if you started paying off debt and you didn't have a car payment because you were just happy with the car you had? Some of you, cars are like a status symbol around here. You want to find mine? Mine's the one with the car with the paint flaking off on the front. That's mine. I don't need nothing. I got this old raggedy jacket. It still fits. I can't button it. Okay, so I'm a little thicker than I used to be, but I got it. I don't need nothing else. There are some places I won't go because of the choices they give you. I won't go to BBJ's Tavern anymore. I didn't I don't go to lunch to read a book. There's too many choices. Too many options. I'm like, look, give me five. If you got more, if you know how to make more than five things, you don't know how to make anything. You can't be this talented. There's nobody this talented. I go to a Cuban restaurant, I order Cuban food. If I go to BJ's and you have all the genres of the food, I don't trust you. Why? There's too many choices. 
How good would it be, man, if you started cutting back and clearing the clutter and paying things off? How good would it be to not have a house payment in the future? The freedom that would bring. You know who some of the smartest people are right now? Millennials who are buying those tiny homes. Man, I wish I was around when I was younger. I would have bought myself like a toilet seat and a bed. Been like, I'm happy. Why? Because the freedom that comes with that. You know how good it must feel? Look, I'm not saying you ever need to quit your job, but the fact that you could would be an awesome feeling. What if you didn't need next week's paycheck because you were caught up on your bills? And you weren't so worried about this virus thing. And you weren't so worried about where the next thing was going to come from. You know, we learn this principle that materialism is the thing that kills America faster than anything else. The love of things. If I took you on an airplane with me overseas on a mission trip, one of the things you'll see the first several days, if I took you to Haiti, the first several days, inevitably, we'll have a conversation that goes like this. You'll say, man, these people have nothing. They don't have any food. They don't have any shelter. They don't have nothing. Three or four days, and you'll feel bad. You'll, you'll go to bed, and you're like, man, I'm so blessed, and I'm so... Then Sunday's going to come around. You're going to go to church with those same Haitians. You're going to walk in. You're going to see them worship with everything they have. They're going to say things like, Benny, swell it to now, and just praise the Lord. And they're just like, boo. And you're like, how are you worshiping? You have nothing. How are you thanking God for nothing? Because they have realized something that we don't. Happiness isn't in things. We will figure that out. We will make the conscious decision when we get on that plane. We're like, we're going to live different. We're not going to have these things. We're not just going to buy things that we don't need. We're not going to live in excess. We want to be like the believer overseas. What happens is we get on that airplane and we fly back. And you land and somebody's like, hey, man, what about this? Just this little thing. and Okay, just this. And this. And slowly we get sucked back into materialism. I want to close with this. It's amazing to me how thick we can be sometimes. You know that Tide has not changed its formula in 20 years. The detergent. It's not changed its formula in 20 years, but yet you can't go past that aisle without them trying to go. We have figured out a new way. It is bigger, stronger than ever. And here's what they've done in Tide to make it bigger, stronger, more potent for you. It's the water they used to give you for free. They have taken it out. And are now saying, add your own water. It is more powerful than ever. Because we're taking from you and you're like, no, I need this. This is better. This is better when we fall for it every time. This is better. I need this. This is better. This is better than what I had. 
what will rob you from your future is needing more now. You won't, you won't have true peace. The people who figure out how to have peace are the people who have figured out, man, that life is not about what I can get, but what I can give and what I can help other people do. And you'll never be able to give if you live in debt. You're never going to be able to give if you constantly hold on to. You're never going to be able to be a blessing to other people if you can't clear some things away. So with every hip bowed, nobody looking around, if you'd say this morning, man, Daryl, that's me. I need to cut some things out. I've got too much clutter in my life. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by debt. I want to pray for you this morning. Will you raise your hand so I can pray for you all across this place? I need to declutter some things. I need to get rid of some things. Thank you. You can put them right down. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're overwhelmed by debt and you're like, I need help, man. Pray for me. Pray for me that I, that I get this. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. I pray that you would bless them, watch over them, help us to cut things out, help us to clear away clutter, help us to pay off debt in the name of Jesus. God, we trust you, we honor you, we love you. God, I want to do and say things that only bring you glory, and I want to live in the quietness of my one hand and not of the hard work of my two. Help me to live with one hand trusting you and letting go of the other. Jesus, we love you, we honor you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. If today's your first time, man, we would love to get to meet you guys. We're excited about our new home coming in just 16 or so months. God bless you guys. See you next week.